live on Never Had It So Good Sports Radio. A new day brings new topics. Our sports talk brings extensive debate and analysis by the host, expert contributors, and callers. We discuss it all. Join us weekdays at 6 p.m. and 7 p.m. on Never Had It So Good Sports Radio. All right, welcome to Never Had It So Good Sports Talk Radio. I'm excited. We've got a great week of programming, and we'll get started tonight. We're going to talk about what money does as far as coaches and athletes are concerned, and are they a target because of it? Let me welcome in my co-host, Duck Riley. How are you, sir? Doing well, Preston. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And I'm going to go ahead and open up the mic of the preacher, but you're not even safe. From the preachers talking junk and trash about my gators, it's going to be a long year. <laughs> I'm going to be a long year. I'm just year. trying to figure out. I'm trying to figure out who they are. I, I, you know, they look really. No, in all honesty, they look really good last week, and then this mm-hmm. week, I don't know what happened. Yeah, uh, they I, went up there, and some know. that young man ran 200 and some yards on them as a running back. That's what happened. But the fact that you came for me in pre, <laughs> before the show, <laughs> considering the performance of your Jets, I mean, that says a lot. My, my gate is really bad. <laughs> um, um, yeah, the Jets just done a long season. Go have a long season. Have a we long might season get there, sir. We might, we might get them. Oh, wow. Week, oh, wow. Yeah, Denver was in trouble. Uh, Denver, they should, they, uh, Denver was Chicago. in trouble with Chicago Bears. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Wow. Okay. So, Duck, I don't think you sent me some, the phone number, so I'm just going to go ahead and do what we do here. I actually see um, Carlos Bradley. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. How are you all? Doing really good. Doing really good. And, Carlos, I'll keep your mic open as long as we don't talk about the Gators. We're good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's just an inside joke. Okay, so let's open up 6732. 6732 is the last four of your phone number. Give us your name. Guy Holiday. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing really good. Doing really good. The Gators play Hold really on, great right? this weekend. <laughs> just really impressed. So everybody, everybody's just gonna fall in line, right? Y'all just gonna do this, huh? <laughs> you got the wrong job, person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially since in my house, you know, we have a gator that separated himself, and every time he misses, you know, Colorado, it's we. And then the buffalo comes out. He says, "That's Ralphie." So we we this house is divided here, for sure. So, <laughs> all right, six one one eight six one one eight. Your mic is open. How are you? How's everyone? This is Everett Scott. Glad to see everyone. Hello, Carlos. Hello, Duck. Let's go, Everett. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. But I will I will say have... new, I'll say new, I'll say neutral on the gators. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. A gentleman. The rest of y'all jokers are just gonna come for me for sure. <laughs> Duck, who else do we have? 
Um, that's, that's it. I'm gonna. Okay. All right. You all get started. Okay. Uh, I want to start off with you, Carlos. Mel Tucker. Your thoughts? You said Mel Tucker. Yeah. Duck, my basic thought about Mel Tucker is you were wrong at doing something. That's what the, my basic thought. Now, we can get into the legalities. I'm sure Everett can cover that. But, I mean, if, if you bring this woman in to do an assignment, let her do it. If you are going to have an ex, external relationship with her to whatever degree, as wrong as it is, if you conduct it in in face to face, then there would be nothing there. But if you're going to do it on tape or over Zoom or do whatever, then you're going to have record of everything. I'm not saying that's the right way to do it, but you don't even cover your own track in your mess. Yeah, I just think he just created a mess. Either way, it, it could be that the school had something else in store. They didn't want to continue to pay him the rest of this $89 million or whatever he was due, but if you don't do wrong, then it can't be any. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, Holiday, do you, are you, do you think the lady know that this guy is making 76, was going to get $76 million? Man. I don't know what she knew. Let's, God, I, you got to be smarter than what Mel did. I know him personally, uh, but I'm sure, you know, down the down the, um, you never know what anybody's alternative uh, arterial motives are. But let's just say I think there's going to be a really good settlement for both parties, uh, and I don't. And you know, he, at the end of the day, it's on him. Let's be honest. Okay, and and this is only you know our opinions, and and I want to come to Everett, uh, and I I don't want to get too much into it with you about Mel Tucker, but my thing is, uh, from a legal standpoint, does he have a a fight? So um, I will say that first of all, I won't offer any legal opinion or legal. Um, and because I, you know, one, I'm absolutely retired and enjoying it, but I will tell you that the facts of the case are very much live and very much open, and everyone is entitled to go through that process. And I will say that in most situations, the facts will reveal themselves. I don't think I'm in, I know I'm not in a position to assume what took place. I know there's been allegations. Uh, I can read that in the paper. I know that there's been a suspension uh, without pay. Uh, that's rather damning. I have a, I'll speak on that in a second. Um, and I do know that they're going to go through the process. Anytime there's a Title IX uh, uh, allegation that is brought up, that is designed specifically to, to protect sexual misconduct, you know, and, and that is very serious. I spent a few years, as you remember, uh, Duck as special counsel to the Black Coaches Association uh, under Floyd Keith, who I had the pleasure of playing for at Howard University. 
for a while, and I will say that, you know, it was often this isn't the first time that these things happen, and, and there is a process. But to get to your specific question, uh, whether there was knowledge of his compensation package, we all know, and we don't have to be experts to see that, that was a very, that's a very, very um, serious compensation package. And I don't know the language that was borrowed in there, but we do know that a morality clause, which I saw many, many times as an NFL agent, um, you know, you, there's a certain conduct that you're expected to have while you're under the contract. It doesn't matter how much money it is when that when that clause is there because whether it's for $1, you know in advance before you sign it what's expected of you uh, as the individual and as a player. So as as Carlos said, you know, there's a, there's a, there's an, uh, there's a <laughs> strong possibility that something happened, but to the extent that we really don't know, one thing's for sure, people do know your compensation. When you're in the public eye, when you're a professional athlete, when you are a coach, when you're a high visible coach like he is and was, uh, folks are very much aware of your compensation, and I'll just stop right there. Okay. I want to stay with you because I know you you, you know uh, up to date because you represented players and stuff before. Uh is that not a symposium for coaches? We know we know that they're for the NFL players. What about coaches? So there's a number of uh, vehicles out there, but I will say right from the beginning, there's not enough. So what's happening? Even you know, I remember year again referencing years ago when you, you know, when you you don't have uh, that type. Of, Ten, twelve years ago, we were fighting to have someone like Mel Tucker be in that position to have that kind of compensation, to have that kind of high visible job. So uh, the, quite frankly, we were the vehicle on the collegiate level. Uh, certainly the NCAA was not going to protect them at that point. As a matter of fact, we very often found ourselves on opposite ends of the table in terms of uh, uh, specifically what the, what the coach uh what kind of protection they can and cannot have. In my opinion, there's been a lot. There's a number of protective vehicles as a result of some horrible statistics in the NFL, NBA, and Major League Baseball where all of them fall anywhere between 60 to 80% of them leaving the game broke within three to five years. And that doesn't even factor in the injury uh, situation. So when you look at that, now the coach, the head coaches now, on the, particularly on the collegiate level, and I haven't even talked about pro level, their compensation is at a level where they now have the very same problems that the player has. They may be considered older, mature, but that's not the case. I don't make any assumptions when it comes to human and human nature. So there's not enough protection for uh, not to say that, and I'm not endorsing protection for any type of wrongdoing. I'm endorsing protection when it comes to financial literacy. There's a thing, you know, if you're going to have me sign a morality clause on a contract, teach me what morality is so I clearly understand it. And I'm not suggesting that everyone doesn't have common sense to know that, but believe you me, you know, everyone talks about, you know, financial literacy 
and uh, the 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 intensity of the game and how you know and we all we all agree you know how dangerous it is but no one talks about the fact that they are uh are really just like professional athletes when it comes to what's expected and what is the standard and what kind of protection and i don't i think that there's you know mel Tucker's situation and others uh, uh it's a teaching moment Something should be done uh, where these these guys understand that they're in a they're in a different stratosphere than they were ten, fifteen, twenty years ago. Okay, I want to come to you, Carlos. And I don't know if the podium was uh, doing when you got drafted, in, you know, out to San Diego. But if it was, what did you take from it? And were you how to? by your lawyers about do's and don'ts, what's to look out for? Well, I'm going to echo Everett's sentiments right there, that there's not enough. The symposium was around then, which is the when, – when you're one of the – now it's, I think, 175 athletes that are invited okay. to go to the combine, one of the things they do at the combine is have – a lecture symposium, a talk about do's and don'ts, financial literacy, um, what to expect from people, the do's and don'ts. They they have all that. And myself, like, I didn't particularly need that um, growing up where I did in the inner city of Philadelphia and learning human nature at an early age, seeing how people function. I know that when, or I should say, I know the whole crabs in a barrel mentality, that if you're trying to get and someone else doesn't have, they might try to pull you down to get what you have. So I was already aware of the the snakes and the sharks out there uh, in our society. What I think players need to get from it is to know that this is real. And I had things happen to me financially that weren't, um, that I didn't know about. I thought I had my eyes open also, but when things got really serious and to the point of like FBI investigation and stuff like that, (laughs) what, what they told me, they said, Carlos, This is not what you do for a living. This is what those people do for a living. So what you really need to do is have a sharp financial advisor. Have a sharp uh, mentor that you listen to and follow. And don't be a young person that thinks that you know everything. Okay? There's depreciation assets that that you don't need to buy a lot of. Like I know doc, when Dr. J told Charles Barkley, why you got all those cars? You only got one behind. Okay? So things like that that you just need to listen to people and follow. And you don't need to be wasteful in a life where you, you think that you're Superman and you think that it's going to last forever. But the average career right now is two years. When I played, the average career was four years. Actually, it was three years because 
pension is at four years. It's at four years for a reason. And everybody don't get to the four years for a reason. It doesn't mean at four years you forgot how to play football. Certain people, certain numbers have to go out for this game to financially keep moving the way it does. So what you need to take from it is is just is is a mentor is the biggest thing that someone that can help steer you in the right direction that you trust. Okay, uh yeah. Is is this why a lot of the coaches are getting uh lawyers to represent them or agents? Uh, I think it's twofold. I think it's one that uh, contracts are now a lot more detailed. And uh, I know my last contract, I want an escalator clause, uh, which would always keep me in the top five paid receiver coaches in the country or assistant coaches at my position at that time. Uh, So I, I know that was a big part of it for me. And then really understanding the fine print of it, like what what is the morality clause and, and what does it include? And uh, if I violate the NC2A rules, you know, how do I combat that? And, you know, all of those things, I think, play a part. Now you're dealing in the coaching profession and multi-year contracts for assistance. And when I first started, that wasn't even talked about. Uh, so, I do think that is a big part of it. And I, I think uh, the money is a lot bigger than when I certainly first started in the profession. And I mean, I ended up making more money as a as an assistant coach than I ever did as a as a player. And uh, so, if you think about it from that standpoint, you should have legal representation. Okay, I'm going to bring Tim in, uh, guys, uh, with follow up questions. Uh, Tim. Yeah, gentlemen. Um, I, I'm I'm very interested um, to hear um, about people who come into the league. We talked about the training that they get, the advice that they get. And Carlos talked a little bit about it, you know, just having grown up where he grew up, that there was game around him all the time. And so he was somewhat familiar with, with folks, you know, trying to run game on him. But um, how do you counsel young players who make the league who are excited who sometimes at this time at this age are you know sometimes 19 20 years old um to be careful with their boys from the hood i mean because that's what got michael vick was his homeboy um let me ask uh let me ask a guy about that i i think it's hard and i'm from from west baltimore so i get it and that's for me it wasn't uh it was a life changing experience of seeing a really good friend of mine um just one day wasn't coming back home and uh so at that point my mother told me never you know, you gotta let it go and, and so and in all fairness the hardest thing to do is to let go because you credit so much of who you are with the circumstances you endured. And so, but you got to make a um, a big boy decision and move on to the next phase of your life. And that happens. I, I think it's a little easier when you go to college as far away as I did from home. That made it a lot easier for me. And um, 
you know, it, it, it's it's just it's challenging because those that what we all of us we we all go to what we're comfortable with. Let's be honest, we hate getting out of our comfort zones. And uh, you know, what are you comfortable with? Going back home and hanging out with the guys you've been with since you were a kid. You know, and uh, so it, it's really hard. But I think the best thing you can tell tell any kid is the ball. The, the game doesn't last forever. The ball's going to stop. Just make sure, you, and it'll never be on your court. But don't let them make the decision. Don't give them the uh, the authority to make that decision for you. Okay, uh, Carlos. Uh, same same question. You, you know, you got you got guys you grew up with. Uh, you know, you've known all your life. And, and in some cases, you know from just having dealt with them that that they're a little shady, but they're your boys. And uh, and then you got you know your cousin cousin from your mama's side that was married to Uncle Pookie, uh, who shows up. Uh, how, how do you deal with all those those folks? So I think this goes back to something that no one that we don't talk about enough anymore. And it it really goes back to education. It really does because, you know, I had a, I had a mom that had an eighth grade education, lived on a farm in New Jersey, but she respected education. And she said, get your education. And if you surround yourself by people of like ilk, that want to be educated and want more out of life, you know, I had them same boys. I had boys that lived right across the street from me, and, for you know, they, they called me to come fight at a bar one night. I was 15 years old, you right. know, and, and, and they called me around the bar to fight. But then at the last minute they said, Carlos, you know what, go home. Guess what, that night, they killed a man, and all of them went to jail. Well, wow. So my life could have changed that night, but it could have been the grace of God or it could just be the sense that one of those people had to say, you know what, he don't really need to be here. Go home. Mm-hmm. It could just be luck. But what I do know is if you educate yourself to a point and you surround yourself with people of like ilk that want more out of life. See, like I think the mid, the mid seventies, early eighties, we were coming out of that, you know, the, the, the black power movement and all of that. And then we were like about education. So it was like right. get educated and be better. I think that's something different now. Now we don't talk about education. Now we talk about how can we make a lot of money right now. It doesn't matter if you if you're a young lady selling your pictures on on Instagram or whatever, or if it's a football player or a basketball player that at seventeen eighteen can get an NIL deal. It's not even about staying in school. It's about the deals we can get, and it's just about getting a boatload of money. I mean, you know, we've talked enough about Dion and his sons, but. To, to go to school the first day in a, in a Maybach, like where do you go from there as far as getting cars and as far as uh, a pre- depreciating assets? Where are you going to go? I know myself 
and everything has I've had my ups and downs also, but the people I call my friends are the same people that I sat on the steps with in ninth grade, went to college with, came back home, and the same half dozen people that were my friends then are who I call my friends now. One's the vice president of a university. A couple of them are retired in the uh, in, from military and police duty, but it's all about still learning and educating. So if you surround yourself with people, you'll you'll be able to still wiggle your way away from your cousin that wants to pull pull you down. That's what he wants to right. do. Yeah. Yo, I got this. I got this pound I want to move and then you want to help me move it that's not making you helping you go forward yeah. uh ever Scott, so, so, um, you know you, you you hear uh Carlos talking about how he he has maintained you know a small circle of guys that that he's known pretty much all his life and and has been very much aware or, or wary of other people trying to trying to trying to work their way into that circle um and, and you look at some examples. Uh, LeBron James has done it done it the right way. He's he's got his same boys he had, you know, in junior high school and high school that he's around now. Maverick Carter and and those cats uh, from Akron, uh, who are his closest guys. And he went to uh, um, uh, what's his name, um, the Warren Buffett, to get a, a financial advice. Uh, you know, as soon as he went into the pros. Uh, but then you've got Michael Vick, and I'm very familiar with that situation uh, because I had a, a good friend of mine who was, uh, you know, working for him at the time, did not grow up with him, but she was a professional doing work for him and just was around all that. And she says it was just an absolute mess because his boys were just pulling at him in every direction. Uh, you've seen both sides of it. How do you advise somebody, uh, you know, to deal with that coming into the league? Uh, thank you, Tim. I, I will, first of all, let me just say as a sidebar, and Car- Carlos knows this, um, I've known Carlos since I was a young football player at Central High School in Philadelphia, which was a rival to Germantown where he was, and, and he's a couple years ahead of me. And to his point, you know, I remember him, you know, being he, – he wasn't all over the place. He's very focused, he's very mature. And I kind of, you know, obviously he went on to uh, play at, at Wake Forest, and I went on to play at Howard University, that kind of thing. But, you know, I was a young linebacker, and I was watching him. And so it's interesting, at parties, he wasn't the, he wasn't the life of the party. You know, it, it, you kind of have to have, you know, that early um, instinct. And, you know, to his credit, his mom, give credit to my mom, what, what, what I see – uh, and this is what made me a little different agent. One, I, w- I actually played the game. You know, I wasn't one of those agents who would put a, hel- a helmet on backwards standing in the room. <laughs> and and, I, and I, I say that respectfully, but I'm like, you know, I would say a lot of my competition, have you ever been in the locker room? Have you ever been in the trenches where you're at the two-yard line and it's, it's, you, you, you hope that the safety will, will have your back if it all falls out, but you're looking at that tight end or tackle, and you're saying, I don't know how this is going to work out. My point is, when I go into a room to talk to a young player, and I've spent a lot of time in the SEC, I spent a lot of time out of Oregon This is as an agent. I spent a lot of time in L.A. I spent a lot of time seeing, talking to young men who look like me, who never seen anyone like me, 
talking to them about representation. It was kind of mind-blowing for them because there wasn't at that time, this is going back 25 to almost uh, 28 years ago, you didn't see a guy coming in a room. You know, I didn't, I didn't have a player come meet me at a fancy restaurant. I want to come to your house, okay? And, I, right. I, and, I don't, and I'm not judging by coming to your house. And there were very there were times, and I'm tell tell the story that I would go uh, into Georgia, go into Mississippi, and I'd walk into that house. It might be dirt floors, but there's some sweet tea on the table and and, and some chicken. They say, "Pull up a chair, let's eat." I'm eating right there. Okay, you don't you meet people where they are, and so when what you what, what the reason that I ever became a sports agent or a young attorney is I wanted to help people. That was in my heart, legitimately. I wanted to do what I could do to help change the narrative. So first thing I assess is who's around you. I want to know who's around you. That's even before I have signed you as my client, I've got to know a little bit about you because Mm. if I don't find that out early on, it's going to be problematic later on. It really is. Um, I happened to, uh, you know, at the time had really good rapport with different coaches and I, you know, I'd get a little intel on them in the backdrop, but the way you kind of can shape this thing, you know, you telling a young player, like you want to play on Sunday and you got to look them in the eyes and let them know that playing them on Sunday is not just a job. It's a privilege. It's going to change your whole family. It's going to change the way things are right now. So take a good look around you, and you tell me that, that, that you know, I tell them, they used to laugh at me when I said this. I said, look, if you're in a relationship right now with the girl that's been there day one, don't change that right now, please, for God's sake. If you are not in a relationship right now, please don't get in one. You know, and they would say, say, why are you saying that? I said, we, we don't understand how things are going to change as we prepare for this combine, as we prepare for, you know, the journey pro days coming after that, as we prepare for, you know, hopefully a call on Saturday, if not on Sunday, come draft weekend. So the the narrative is, you got to do your part, and you can't be afraid to say, hey, hey, look, I want to build an infrastructure around you, but I need you to help me. I need to know, please, don't let, don't pull a bomb out. You know, when it comes to, uh, you know, dog fighting, that is something, it, it ain't, you know, I'm not judgmental on dog fighting. My folks are from the South. It's a very right. real thing. It's a yeah. very real thing that happens, right? So, but the thing is, it's part of the culture. So, you know, I can go to other cultures and maybe they fight roosters. I can go to other cultures, believe it or not, they fight alligators. It's a deep thing. But whatever it is, got to be aware of it and you got to help. You can't – these are young men that are going to be grown men that if you're not honest with them early on in the professional relationship, they're not going to be honest with you. They gotta be comfortable. I have players that I represented. It's unbelievable. I got a call at two o'clock in the morning from an offensive lineman that played for Chicago years ago. He said, "Man, I, 
and just got caught with a gun on my seat. And, you know, I won't tell you what I said to him on this air, uh, but it wasn't it wasn't <laughs> nice, okay? And I, I didn't care who he was. I said, you can fire me tomorrow. I said, but now I got to get out of bed and go get a, a criminal lawyer to to deal with that. That that that's an avoidable situation. It's an avoidable situation. Like Carlos said in the beginning, you know, in the beginning, if you you got to know yourself in terms of that filter, in terms of who, who, what, you know, your judgment, your your okay. whole uh, discernment is the word I'm looking for. Okay, that that actually has to strengthen over time, not weaken. Right. You know, so when it comes to the contracts that come into play and all that, that's the stuff that. You know, you build a team around that player. You put the people around him that are designed to succeed. If there's somebody that's watching watching the money, and you put someone to watch that person that's watching the money. And you put an attorney who couldn't care less about sports. He's not a fan of anything. Probably likes soccer more than football. Couldn't care, couldn't care less. That's your That's your workhorse keep an eye on the entire thing. And all of them are affordable because he doesn't go to work unless something goes wrong. It doesn't cost you nothing while nothing's, everything's right. Okay. Uh, Duck, uh, I'd like to get your perspective because you played ball and coached high school. So you, you've been able to see um, kids that you knew had potential to play at the next level. But you also knew that they had Uncle Skeeter in their ear. Uh, how do you deal with that even as a high school coach? And then you can take it off. Well, the, the good thing about that is you got great people like uh, Carlos there, you got Everett there, you got God. So what I would kind of do, I would bring influential people in. And I would also, at that time, Desmond Robinson was part of the uh, FCA. So we would just try to, you know, touch up on things that maybe some, uh, a lot of the kids were we're missing, uh, and it's disheartening. You know, you can put all the carrots in front of them all you want. You know, I hear I hear some great kids, and I also hear some kids that fell by the wayside. You know, one I hear a, uh, a dad call me say his kid is going to jail. He just he just killed somebody. So, you know, wow. it, it's rough, but. Uh, a lot of that you pray on and you work with them and try to show them, a, you know, some values and hopefully that it'll catch on if you're fortunate. So you do. Go ahead. All right. Uh, I'm going to turn it to Princess and I hit him with the last one. All right, Princess. Well, I, I really wanted to say I, I love this conversation, but I wanted to go back to Mel Tucker um, and just look at some of her statements. And this is the act the sexual misconduct activist who said um, his actions and his words were unwanted and it made her frozen and took her back to a time where she was gang raped at Oregon State. When you hear that, and I I guess I'm going to come to Everest first, um, your thoughts, and I don't know if you've read that, but the fact that there is FaceTime um, and his actions in his office with the sexual misconduct activist, what are some of the things you say to yourself, Mr. Everett? I had a feeling you'd come to me. <laughs> 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 but 
I will say, like I said at the very beginning, you know, a person, no matter what the allegations are, are, you know, innocent until proven guilty, and they have to go through a process. So even though the facts uh, are still being flushed out, the allegations are the allegations. We may very well find out that, you know, and I'm not changing anything about it, there might have been other calls. There might have been all, all I, I read what you read, yeah. by the way. And, and when I read it, I processed it. And my initial instinct is, not, and, and I'm not saying any of that was correct, but out of all the people on the planet, for you to have your moment, <laughs> I correct. can't imagine, I can't imagine that that was uh, that that was well thought out. But again, I don't know the facts, and quite frankly, I am extremely um, compassionate of any woman that, particularly who has been raped or anything anything like that. I'm extremely sensitive for a number of reasons. One, I teach uh, women self defense. You know, as a martial artist, I know I know I can see how a lot of things can happen. So I'm sensitive to that all you know, already, but. It seems to me, based on her statement, that we are going to find out a lot more information. Um, we're going to find out, uh, you know, we, we do know, same article that you read, that there were at least three times that he invited her to campus. One, to be the honorary coach. Twice, mm-hmm. to speak to the players, if I if I recall the article correctly. So we know that there had been some dialogue. We know that there had been some rapport. Uh, I don't know how a person can go from that to where the allegations are, but you know, again, I, I stay away from judgment and opinion on all that, but I will just say that there's just probably going to be more facts. It's just a very odd, odd situation and very unfortunate because my, my bottom line, no matter how you look at it, when someone removes Eighty million from your pockets, and you stood there you go. out of an entire ninety-five million. I know that everyone, if you know, whether I'm making ninety million or whether I'm making nine million or whether I'm making nine hundred thousand, I'm not going to do anything in, 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 in intentionally that's going to jeopardize that. So, I do have more questions than answers. Is my point. So, Carlos, I'm I'm coming to you, um, and and I guess there's a couple of things here, and I don't I don't want to double back to what Duck asked, but Carlos, I'm coming to you to say, you know, when you hear this, of course, 80 million um, changes tra- the trajectory of your financial situation and the generation that's coming up behind you. But your thoughts too about wife and kids and how not only is he battling his integrity and his image in the public. But there has to be some things going on at home, and I know we're making assumptions, but he is having to make sure and rectify a lot of things. Carlos, your thoughts? Like I said at the beginning, Mel Tucker had so much more to lose. His dignity, his respect, his team, his home life, his family, his kids, for this episode, I mean, look, I mean, temptation is a great thing, but 
structure, order, and discipline has to be a bigger thing. And I and I just, you know, even if the school would, was wanting something else to happen or a way to get out of this contract, my whole thing is don't give it to them. Don't give them an out. You, you got me in this. I'm going to coach. And respect the position that you've been given. Just like Everett said, you know, 20 years ago, we wanted to get a coach in this position. Hey, guess what? You're that guy right yeah. now. You're that guy. You got the $100 million contract. You're supposed to be the stepping stone to the next generation of coaches. Help them. Okay? So you can't do, you can't do wrong. You know, this, this, I, I just I put it on him. I'm sorry. I'm not blaming the school. I'm not blaming the woman could have been trying to entice him or whatever, but you got a home life. You got peers that need to respect you. You got people coming up behind you. You got generational money. This is what we've been trying to get in position to get, generational money. You can hand something down. So I put it on him. I'm sorry. I, if, if you don't do wrong, they can't make you do wrong. And if you just don't, you walk the straight line, you do what you know would make your family happy, and you follow that structure, order, and discipline that got you to that point, and you don't break it. The higher you get, the more they want to pull you down. So the higher you get, the better you got to be. Yeah, yeah. More discipline you have to be. Also, just want to, as a, as a sidebar, say that you know, there, there's always there is there is an undertone. It's like again, the 800 pounds or the 900 pounds yeah. elephant in the room. There is a double standard that exists, you know, throughout the country. Don't think for one minute that that double standard doesn't find its way into your living room and sports. And I'm specifically saying that, you know, which is why I'm particularly interested in the facts. I agree, yes, no question about it, uh, that we that you're charged with your own destiny. You got to be smarter. You got to look at things, you know. And uh, you know, we're here here you are. You're our superstar. You know, we're we're talking, and you're going to see coaches. A lot of coaches making these types of contracts uh, or these types of compensation. But there is. You, there is a, there's two standards going on in this country at all times. It's something that I fought heavily uh, with Floyd Keith and the Black Coaches Association, and there's a number uh, of folks that, that remember this, you know, when they had a, a firing um, of, of a coach out at Stanford, you know, 12, 12 years ago, you know, and what that was all about. It was like, okay, well, we we still have to – my point is we have to – go a little higher in terms of our own expectations. And we got to be a little bit more careful, even than our colleagues, you know, it's always going to be looked at a little bit differently. And I, I just have to say that there is a, there is a, a racial undertone in this country that is always, the standards always going to be uh, levied a little bit different. So, you know, I'm not defending him. I'm not defending her, but I will say that at the end of the day, she, she, she has made this claim, and this is not an easy claim for anyone to make, okay? There, there is, yeah. There's some facts here that have to be looked at, 
that that are likely in her favor. On the other hand, with him, he's not a stupid man. This is a head coach, and you know, respect yeah. <laughs> the guy and everybody on the side. You're you're a coach. You're a head coach or assistant coach. You you're a smart person because you have to process an awful lot and make a lot of decisions. So there was no question that he had the capacity to figure it out and knew right from wrong. I'm just simply suggesting that when it comes down to the big boys who are who executed the contract, I'm you know you got to look at things from their point of view. Well, you know what. This uh, this this contract is going to be known and void. You know, uh, you know he messed up. They're, they're already rushing to judgment. Is my point. So there's always going to be a, a dual standard in this country, one way or the other. No way. You know, I'm not suggesting that someone else might have gotten a different a different look, but don't ever ignore that part. <laughs> I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. And, you, and I think we all came from the era where our parents said you're going to have to give 150 percent. They may have to do just 100 or 80 percent, but you're going to have to go and, and give more just to get noticed and looked and, and, and maybe hired. Um, and because no Tucker looks like me, you know, I'm disheartened, I'm disappointed, and I'm hurt for him and his family. Um, Coach Holiday, I'm coming to you. I think all of us on here have been student athletes at the high school and college level, um, and some play professionally. I know that's on here too. But, Coach Holiday, what do you have, did you say what advice did you give your student athletes um, or maybe even another coach about just sexual misconduct and staying away from it? And I'll well, yield back to you, Doc. I, I, I think you you got to look at uh, a couple things. One, for me, uh, having played the game at, at the highest level, and the one thing I always wanted to emphasize is um, – the academic part of it, which is no, it's not even important anymore. Let's be honest. Everybody, when you go talk to hmm. a kid now, it's about NIL and um, yeah. and playing. You know, when can I play? That's how kids think today. So what what you're going to see, and I heard one of the callers mention it, or one of the not callers, but uh, one of the speakers mentioned it earlier in, in reference to the bankruptcy rate or being broke as a player. You're going to see that increase. Uh, because now we won't, we aren't emphasizing any type of education and anything that is important and what what every athlete fails to realize. And I don't care if it's Doug, I don't, I don't care, Carlos, whomever else it may be that have played myself. You think you're going to play forever. You think that you, when you're young, when you're 21, 22, 23 years old and you're sitting down in the NFL draft or be the USFL or wherever it is, in your mind, you're invincible, and you're living for today. You very rarely think about tomorrow. So my focus was to try to get the student athlete uh, to focus on the ball is going to stop. It stops for everybody. And unfortunately, in football, it stops much more abruptly than any other sport. You know, whether it's the hard salary cap, whether it's the injuries, whether it's uh, – and, you know, we, we can all come up with different different uh, opinions or, or ideas of why it does, but I can promise you it will. And, and that's just the way it is. I, and I used to get frustrated with coaches who would walk into a high school kid's house and talk about the NFL because I took that personal because, one, I respect the shield, and, two – when you're there, you know how hard it is to get there. 
And once you get there, you realize it's damn near impossible to stay there for a long period of time. And, and yeah, politics and finances, all that plays a part. You know, and, and so you try to talk about those things, but unfortunately, kids and parents don't want to talk about that, particularly at this day and time. They want to talk about the bag. You know, as, as young yeah. kids, I want to get my bag, you know. So, and and what no one wants to talk about is, one, how do you manage that bag? And when that bag is gone, what the hell are you going to do? These kids aren't signing contracts, NIO contracts. So that money promise does not have to be delivered, one. And two, now you're dealing in a realm of, just just give this some thought. And I know a couple of guys here played in the NFL. And, and, and uh, just think if, if you didn't have a contract, you know, that your money could be taken at any time. And then back in the 80s and 90s, you really didn't have a real contract because they could cut you on any day, just get you to run out there and call you injured, and it was over. But, you know, just that, these kids don't have contracts. They don't have anything that binds the company that's sponsoring them to collect because by rule it's not the university, even though it is. So who do you sue? You know, who do you go after your income for when you don't have a contract? And um, those things aren't being addressed. And just before I start, as far as Mel, and I get it, it's a double standard. You know, trust me, I know better probably than most people on this phone how much of a double standard it is, particularly in the college profession of coaching and the NFL. But you know you're dealt that hand, and it's up to you how you play it. And he misplayed that hand. We can all sit here and say, and, and I agree. I, at the end of the day, you made a big boy decision that's eventually going to cost you big boy money. And it's unfortunate because that example will be pointed out to ABs and people who have the power to hire men of color. And that's a fact. Yeah. Anytime a black coach yeah. fails, an AD or president will point to that reason. And so – there you that's, go. Sorry. I mean, that's, that's just fact. It's a sense of failure for all of us because it, it may hinder someone else. I agree with you for sure. Duck, I'm going to turn it back over to you um, and, and, and just point out that you know about that father time, don't you? You know, when your career comes to an end and all you have, to have is you, you can dance a little bit, do the duck shuffle. <laughs> All right. Before I get back to God with my question, I want to ask uh, Carlos and Everett uh, a quick question because I want to know, I have my former teammates on the line, Dwayne Wilson and Ron Day, so I just want to know how did you two guys keep them straight? <laughs> <laughs> I would say it was no keeping them straight. <laughs> Look, yeah, they, those, uh, but but to, to keep it real though, those are all some good guys, and always had more promise in their life. They were playing ball and doing it at that moment, but wanting more to do in life. So they wanted to be able to move on and do some other things, and didn't want yeah. that life as an athlete to hold them back. Definitely. Okay. Okay. All right, back to Guy, right quick, back to you. As a coach, making under all this money, do you think coaches are targeted because of making this money? <laughs> of course they are. I mean, it's no different than a professional athlete being targeted. It's just on a lower scale. 
But I mean, when you're making when you're making ten million dollars a year, I don't give a flying flip who you are. You there's you're going to have a fan section out there looking to try to get you. I mean, whether it's for their own personal gain or, or whatever it may be. But I mean, we got to be realistic about that. I mean, that that is uh, and 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 honestly, as a grown man and you're, you know, not being twenty years old, you got to know that. You got to know that. Yeah. I mean, we, I mean that's. And we can all we can all sit here and, and talk about the right wrongs, the do's and don'ts. But at the end of the day, you know, you know, when when people call your name when you walk out in the street, and just because they see your face, you know, right there, you got a mark on your back. Hell, you all of us can walk out in the street right now. Nobody's calling our name. You know, just a stranger walking down the street because we want a football game. Carlos, as a former player, you know, being out there in San Diego. Your thoughts? How, how did you escape it? Well, you you got to know the game before the game comes to you. You got to see it coming already. You got to know it. I mean, you got to know, just feel. I just do a lot of things on instinct. And women, men, all of that. You know, back when when I played, it was. Women would come looking for you, and it was just kind of to have a good time, to party. But in the last 20, 25 years, the women, the groupies, and it's male groupies too, male groupies, female groupies, they, they've got this to like an art form now. I mean, they will get the press guides, check the press guides. They know who is drafted, where and when. If you ever went out to the Pro Bowl or if you ever uh, went to the the All-Star game, the NBA All-Star game, where do all these women come from? Oh, Lord. Okay? They're coming for a reason. They are coming for a reason. So to be a target, it's a bigger target now because they're all looking for a come-up. I mean, literally for a come-up. They are doing things now – where they will, let me see, what's the best way I can put this? They will try to capture your specimen so that they can put your specimen in them to have your child, okay? They are doing Uh, diabolical things now to try to get it come up. And then they will just hold you, you know, hostage. Look, either give me this or I'm going to do this. Either do this or I'm going to tell your wife, your girl, your mother, whoever, who you look up to. So my way was just follow my instincts. It literally was just follow my instincts. Um, and you, you've got to know street life because you got to see people coming. You know when games coming. You know, I got caught up in some things also. It wasn't street-level stuff. It was accounting accountants lawyers agents who were corrupt and who would play the game all the way out and that's why i mentioned fbi because the fbi then would say that's their job it's not your job now your job is to help us catch them so we can stop them from doing wrong (laughs) you know but it's real it's, it's harder now than it's ever been because you are a bigger target now than ever because the money's ten times bigger 
than what we got. Literally at least 10 times bigger. And so that mark on your back is even bigger than it's ever been. Coaches, players, anybody in the spotlight. Okay. I want to come to Everett. Uh, this is the last question, Everett. So, uh, and without calling names, have you had a, a player that you had to really reel back in because, as Carlos said, they don't know the game? Uh, yeah. First, let me say hello to, to both Rondé and Dwayne Wilson, good guys, known them all my life, and they were special. Dwayne was a teammate of mine, and Ron was special as well. So hello to those guys. And so I, I'm listening closely. I just want – I just feel that there are different eras that take place. And we're in a different era now. And it's not like it was 10 years ago. It's not like it was 20 years ago. 10 years ago, 20 years ago, you pretty much had to worry about a, you know, a female threat, groupies, maybe a few guys. Now, with the way, the way society has moved, you know, to be appropriate, you pretty much have to, you, what I would describe as an alphabet threat. You have everybody uh, in the equation now. And because, social, and because of social media, I think the player – I got to give credit to the player. The player is smarter now than ever. And they're only smarter if we look at our kids and, and, and family members. Why are they smarter? Because they have access to information. <laughs> they have access to social media, but they have access to information. So if I, you know, ask a 10-year-old to figure out how to unlock my phone, they'll figure it out in two seconds. If you talk to a player nowadays, yeah, they they want a they understand the financial risk, but there's been you know over even in my tenure, which kind of toys around. I toy around with the idea of coming out of retirement every day, and because I get calls on NILs every day, I get calls on every so much stuff, and I said, I feel that if someone doesn't come in and as you say, real the kids in and I think guy guy hit it beautifully you know they got to understand this thing is and we're just talking about football I mean if I start talking about NBA and Major League Baseball dynamics are a little different the pot of gold is a little larger uh, the dynamics of the players is a little different but it comes down to if their culture cultural upbringing uh, is one that you got to let them know that they that look you have a chance. I think Carlos said it earlier for, to create generational wealth. You don't you know you you don't need a Lambo right now. Mm-hmm. They got to listen to you. So I've had a player um, that I've had to reel in that he he had an aggressive spending habit and he would have a busload of fans come see him from home games <laughs> from D.C. And I, I, when I'm telling you a busload, I'm going to keep him anonymous, I'm not kidding. And I said, oh, you can't even get past the first why, – why a busload? But the point is they, you know, they will listen. And this is what I said in the very beginning. Your client – you got to be just a little bit more. You can be. Uh, you better be a competent lawyer, and yes, you should be a competent agent. 
But you, you can't be their friend, okay? That's, that's where the problem is. And then also if you've got a dishonest one in there and, and who, whose whole play is to target and exploit, but that's, that's the worst kind of all because now you really even should, you're making it hard for everybody. The guy's entrusting you for their future. So how do you reel them back in? You have to set them up like you set up a business. When I set up businesses and corporations for clients in, in my day, you put the infrastructure around them, okay, that makes it almost impossible for them to fail. In the end, you can't tell them that they can't spend their money, but they are extremely teachable because they're coachable. If they can learn the playbook on the field, they can learn the playbook in terms of financial responsibility off the field. And that's where it starts. That's how you wheel them back in. Make them understand that part of the equation because they have a lot of access to information now, and you, you have all kind in the alphabet city that are coming after them. But the real problem is, as I think I heard it earlier, reference to how do you control Uncle Louie coming to them for a yeah. new roof? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, let me, let me tell you how to do that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave with two Mr. things. Mr. Scott, One, I'm sorry. Yes, I'm sorry. Scott, we, we are way over time. Out of time. Okay, we, okay. We're done. Yeah. I, I, I apologize. <laughs> yeah. I would love to get you back, but we're two or three Not minutes over time, and we've got another show to start. Mr. Scott, yeah, the holiday. We've got to find out about Uncle Louie one day. All right. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for having me on the call. Gentlemen, thank it. you. Thank you. Um, Mr. Holiday, Carlos Bradley, all of you all, we appreciate you all being on. This was powerful, and, and, and I appreciate you all taking the time to do this. We've got to have you back. Thank you. All right. all right. Tim Moore, Jeff Riley, I'll see you at the next hour. Never had it so good sports radio. Bye.